Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Most of us know that song from when we were little. A few months ago, I was thinking about it. I remembered that song. It was referenced in something that I was listening to. And I thought to myself, if the only reason that we know that God loves us is because it says so in the Bible, that's a pretty weak reason. And as I was thinking about it, I realized that the reality is, is that God does say that he loves us in the Bible. In the book of Isaiah, it's beautiful. He says, I have loved you and you are mine. But the Bible has so much more than that. Is the whole point of the Bible really just that one line? Or does everything in the Bible show that God loves us? The problem is, is that now we just turn to the Bible and we look for encouraging verses or instructions on how to live. We don't look for God showing us that he loves us. We figure that we already settled that issue long ago when we were four or five or six and we learned that song that Jesus loves us. But we're supposed to see the words of the Bible, every single one of them, every single confusing story and every law that seems kind of weird. We're supposed to see all of it as God showing us that he loves us. That's the whole point of the song. It seems revolutionary to really think as adults about God's love for us. I was really surprised when I started this podcast and found out that there was not a single other podcast called Jesus Loves You. That shocked me. Isn't that the whole point of Christianity? That Jesus loves us? But we think we've settled it. And that's a real shame because as adults, when we face new suffering or new situations, it's really easy to wonder, yes, Jesus loves you, but am I the exception? No, you're not. Jesus loves you, this I know, because, well, because of Jesus. My name is Cecilia Ciccone, and it is a great joy to be able to discuss God's love on this podcast. As I've said before, it's not because I have some great sort of wisdom or because I'm an incredible scholar, but it's because I need to remember God's love for me too. And this is a wonderful way for all of us together to remember how much God loves us. I love Jesus. It sounds kind of, I guess, obvious, but that's something that I constantly have to remember. And God constantly reminds me that I really do love him. But I rarely actually stop to think about the person of Jesus. And I don't know, have you ever stopped to think about him? Like, what the actual purpose of Jesus was? I remember in high school, someone saying to me, we were having a conversation about faith. And this person said, you know, I like Jesus, but it's God that I'm not so sure about. This person liked the stories of Jesus. He's the one who healed the sick, who cured the blind, who told us that we're supposed to love our neighbor. What was there not to love about him? But thinking of Jesus just as a moral teacher, just as a single person in history, really sells us short on the reality of God's love. He didn't come just to tell us how to act. It's not like God saw the world and said, I will save them by showing them how to fix their own mistakes. No, Jesus actually came to save us from everything that was hurting us. And that's what we're going to dive into a little bit in this episode. C.S. Lewis has a famous saying that Jesus was a liar, a lunatic, or a lord. Basically, what that means is that Jesus came claiming to be God. If you don't think that's true, you can look at some of the gospels, some of the stories, and see how many times people threatened to kill him because he was committing blasphemy, because he was saying that he was God. 
But so often we forget about that. We think about Jesus and we remember him turning water into wine or walking on water. And we don't think about the fact that he really was God. C.S. Lewis said that either Jesus was a liar, he just wasn't God, he was doing it to get followers to become popular, or maybe he was a lunatic, he really thought that he was God, but he wasn't. The last option is that Jesus really was God, he was Lord, and if he was who he said he was, he deserves absolutely everything from us. There's only one option but to follow him and to give our lives to him and to trust him, or We should discount him as a liar or a lunatic and not have anything to do with him. There's no option to just think that Jesus was a nice guy. Either he was God, who revealed everything to us, who revealed our very purpose, who revealed how much we're loved, or we should forget about him. Now, this isn't an apologetics podcast. I'm not trying to convince you that Jesus really was God. I believe it wholeheartedly, and I pray that you will too. But on this podcast, we're here to explore the reality of God's love. The fact that Jesus is Lord, and that shows us just how much God loves us. We're not just going to talk about what Jesus did, but about who he was. On the first episode of the podcast, we talked about how God loves us because we exist, that just in the fact that we're here shows that God loves us. And I shared the story of when I was teaching my ninth graders about creation, and we were talking about whether or not God made a mistake in making us about the fact that God knew that things would not stay perfect, but that he decided that creating us was worth it, that he loved us so much that he wanted us here, even if it seemed like we would make a mess of things. He knew in making us that he would need to save us in order for us to be with him forever. In the person of Jesus Christ, God shows us that we're worth dying for. One of my hobbies is hand lettering. So I don't use any special pens. I just use a gel pen and I do cursive and I go over the lines and it's very relaxing. It's a form of prayer for me. But I don't use pencil beforehand. I don't really plan out what I'm doing because it's prayer. I'm not necessarily doing it to show anyone. But when I make a mistake, there's no way to fix it. Even just a tiny shake of the pen can ruin the whole letter. And when that happens, it's not a big deal. I usually just throw it away or often I'll even just cross out the page and I get rid of it. When things don't go as I thought they were going to go, I'm done with it. I'll start fresh. That's often how I think I would handle my own life, my own mistakes, is that I would just get rid of things. I would make it so that my pain and suffering didn't happen at all. But another art form is called kintsugi, and this is a Japanese art form where they take broken pieces of pottery and put them back together using gold. And you might have seen it. It's really, really beautiful. It's actually probably more beautiful than the pottery was in the first place because it's irregular and it looks so strong and it's obviously unique. That's how God works. He wants to use his gold, his grace, his very life within us to put us back together. And he's not trying to make us what we were before sin or before suffering, but to make us something new, something that couldn't have taken place without that very thing that we wish wouldn't have happened. And that's what happened in the person of Jesus Christ. We can wish that we didn't sin, and in fact, I think that's a really good thing to wish that we didn't deny God and his love for us. But we can't get caught up on that, because the reality is, is that God has become one of us to make something amazing out of this world that wouldn't have existed otherwise. Also, as we talked about in the last episode, God didn't have to create us. He stood nothing to gain by making us. 
And in reality, he didn't really gain anything by saving us either. It's really easy to think, wow, you know, God really, really wants my love and he'll do anything so that I'll love him. But the truth is that, yeah, God's happy when we love him, but because that's what we were made for. Because when we are loving God, we are fully alive and he wants us to know how much he loves us. God didn't become human just to shape us up. He didn't become human because he said, look at the mess that I made. I need to fix it. He didn't just come so that he would give us the Beatitudes, tell us to love our neighbors, and then go away. No, he did it to show us that he loves us and that we can trust his love. That's really what we're supposed to get when we look at Jesus Christ. When we think about Jesus Christ, we are supposed to realize that God comes to us right where we are to show us that he loves us and that we can trust that love. Our lives and really all of human history are one big story of God asking, will you trust me? This leads up to the very last moment of our lives. In happy moments, God's saying, will you trust me that this is really good? In moments of suffering, God is saying, will you trust me that this is not the end? Will you trust me that things will get better? Will you trust me that I love you and don't want anything bad to happen to you? And on our last moments, as we're dying, That's the ultimate question when God poses to us, will you trust me that this is not the end and that what I have in store for you is so much better? And in Jesus, God shows us that yes, we can trust him. It goes back to the beginning of creation in the garden. Adam and Eve were given this amazing bounty. They were given every reason to trust God. In fact, Genesis says that they walked with God in the cool of the day. They physically saw God and could trust him. They knew that they could trust him. They could talk to him. Anything that they needed, they just needed to ask him. Then they found themselves alone with the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. And Satan comes and Satan says to them that God, you can't trust him. All that God wants is for you to remain subservient to him. God knows that if you eat this fruit, that you'll become like him. You can't trust him. He's jealous. And so they eat the fruit. They didn't trust God. And that was sin. That is what sin is, is that we don't trust God. I know when I sin, it's usually when I'm trying to do things for myself. I'm trying to cheat and to get ahead in order to make myself happy. Or I'm trying to avoid suffering by doing things that ultimately hurt me or hurt others. I lie to get out of situations when I don't want to face the reality of my actions, when I don't trust in God's mercy enough. All of these things are when I I believe that I have to take care of myself. I don't trust that God loves me enough to take care of me. That's what sin is. And then when we sin, Satan holds these things over our heads. He says, look, you didn't trust God. It's no wonder he doesn't love you. That's the voice of the evil one. That's the voice of discouragement telling us that we're not worth loving, that we aren't good enough. Yeah, look, you can't get that thing for yourself. You can't make yourself happy. You make mistakes. No one could ever love you. That's not the voice of God. The voice of God, as revealed to us in Jesus Christ, says, You are worth everything. You are worth dying for. You are worth me creating this entire universe for. That's when we need to look to Jesus and not look at ourselves. Again, I was teaching my ninth graders recently, and I asked them, 
you know, what exactly would it take for you to believe totally in God, to trust him totally? And so many of them said, well, I just want to be able to see him. Like if he was in front of me and I could talk to him, then I would really believe in him. Then I would give my life to him. In Jesus, God did become a person that we could see, and he showed us exactly what God wants for us. In Jesus, he showed that when he sees us sick, he wants to heal us. He healed the lepers, he healed the blind man, he healed the people who were struggling with demons. If we sin, Jesus showed that God desires to forgive us and to welcome us home, not to judge us. He showed that in the woman woman caught in adultery, in the parable of the prodigal son. If we need something, if we're lacking something that is essential for our lives, God desires to provide for us. He showed that with the loaves and the fish to feed the crowds of thousands. And in the wedding feast at Cana, and something that seems so insignificant, when he changed the water into wine. If we've been hurt, even in the depths of our being, God desires to, to give us peace and healing, as he showed in the woman at the well. And with Dismas, who was crucified right next to Jesus, whom Jesus told, Today you will be with me in paradise. And really, looking at the cross is where we see exactly what God thinks of us. I don't know if you've thought much about why Christians use the cross on so many things. In fact, the cross has really become essentially synonymous with Christianity. If you go to a cemetery and you see a cross on a, on a gravestone, that is the sign that that person was a Christian. When we baptize children or adults, they get marked with the sign of the cross. When we pray as Catholics, we make the sign of the cross on ourselves. But the cross was really an incredible device of torture. That was the weapon that murdered God, God and Jesus Christ. And so it's kind of strange that we would flaunt it so much, that we would wear it around our necks, especially as Catholics, that we use the crucifix. So it's not only the cross, which some might say, oh, the empty cross is a sign of the resurrection. But no, we have the dying body of our Lord on the cross that we use as a sign of our faith. That's really confusing because it seems like we're showing, look, my God died. That's super confusing. Not going to lie. But the reason is, is that when we look at the cross and we see the body of Jesus so obviously in agony, and especially in Latin America, there are crucifixes where Jesus is bloody. The movie, The Passion of the Christ, shows especially the torture that Jesus went through. And we look at that cross and we say, that's how much God loves me. Jesus said, no one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for his friends. When I'm suffering, it's really easy for me to think, yeah, God's with the people who are struggling with cancer or with the children who have lost a parent. But God can't go here, especially in about the past year. I went through a major life transition when God asked me to leave religious life because I needed healing from something deeply personal. As I was struggling with mental health issues, it was really easy for me to feel alone, to say, God can't come here. He doesn't want to be here. Why would anyone want to be in this place of pain and suffering? But when we look at the cross, we see that there is nowhere that God will not go. He will come wherever we are to show us that he loves us. That's what he showed us in the person of Jesus Christ. I was recently talking to someone who said, You know, it's a good thing that God came 2,000 years ago because I don't think he'd want to come into the world today. And that's how we think, that God wouldn't want to come to a place where there's rampant sin and division, 
where there's horrible political trouble and where people are doing really awful things in his name. God wouldn't want to come there. It makes no sense to us. But everything that I just said about 2020 was also true in first century Palestine. It makes no sense that God would become human, that he would enter into this messy human story, except for the fact that he loves us. The cross is something that's often misunderstood about this idea of why did God need to die, that it seems kind of confusing that God would force his son to die for us. But the truth is that Jesus wasn't forced into anything. He came freely because he loves us and because he saw us hurting and wanted to save us. After all, that's what loving parents do. Even if they find that their child is across the country or across the world and needs help and is suffering, they do everything they can to come there. And on Holy Thursday, Jesus was in agony in the garden. This was before he died. He knew exactly what was coming, and he started sweating blood. This was when he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And I think it's really easy to think that Jesus just didn't want to suffer. I mean, that's that's natural. That's human thing to feel. And Jesus, after all, was human. As he was sweating blood, he was thinking about you and about me. He knew that he would come back. He knew that death wasn't the end. That wasn't what it was. Already as a person, he had surely suffered. But he sweat blood, which is a sure sign of medical distress, because in that moment, he saw that you and I were hurting. He saw exactly the suffering that we have experienced. He saw what sin has done in our world. He saw my pain and your pain. And he wanted us to know that we were saved from it and that God would do anything so that we could be with him forever. And this is extremely important because pain and suffering is incredibly, incredibly lonely. It's easy to become isolated when you're suffering because no matter how much you describe it to another person, they never really understand. You can tell the story, you can point to the spot where it hurts, you can even show them the video of your injury, but they'll never really know. And because of that, that pain and that suffering is lonely. Jesus saw just how lonely we were, and he said, look, I don't have to experience this, but I want you to know that I am there with you, that I love you, that he is right here with us. That's what God wanted us to know in the person of Jesus Christ. There's a popular poem, the Footprints poem, you know, the famous line, it was then that I carried you, you know, that the person was walking on the beach and saw two sets of footprints, but at the hardest point in their lives, they only saw one set. And that was when God said, when you only saw one set, I didn't leave you. It was then that I carried you. But God's not just carrying us. He's not just holding us, although he is. In Jesus Christ, he shows us that he enters into our pain and suffering with us, that he feels it, that he is right here absorbing the pain and suffering that we know and tying it to his cross so that we will be one with him in his resurrection. He became one of us to show us that our suffering will bring us to heaven. When we see an image of Jesus, it's really helpful to remember that his name means God saves. Whatever it is that we're experiencing, God has shown that he wants to be right there. After all, that's another name of Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. In Jesus, God has shown that he is truly with us. 
He's not some far off person who has nothing to do with us. He's not the clockmaker God that just set the world in motion. No, he has always been with us spiritually. And in Jesus Christ, he became physically present with us. He became present with a human body at one point in time. And he remains present with us physically, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. We can't always feel that God is with us, even though he always is. That's why having these reminders is so important. So that when we see Jesus, we don't just think, oh, good moral teacher. Oh, nice guy. Oh, someone that I want to be friends with. No, when we see an image of Jesus, whatever it is, we say, that's right. God loves me so much that he became one with me. When we see Jesus, God wants us to remember that he loves us and finds us worth dying for. That's one of my favorite lines from a Christmas song. And the soul felt its worth. When you think of Jesus, when you hear his name, when you see an image of him, know that you are here, that he is here, and that you are loved. I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out, says the Lord. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them. I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountains, mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and they shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, says the Lord. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our saint of the week this week is Padre Pio. He's one of my favorites. He was a 20th century Franciscan Capuchin friar who lived in Italy, and he's most well known for having the stigmata. The stigmata are the wounds of Christ in his hands, in his very body. This is a mystical experience, something that's given mysteriously as a grace to certain people. Padre Pio was investigated to see whether or not he had possibly inflicted the wounds on himself because it really didn't make sense. But Padre Pio and other saints, such as St. Francis, have had the stigmata in a special way of being united to Christ on the cross. This is a physical reminder of just how close God is with us in our suffering. That just as Padre Pio experienced those wounds in his body, so did Christ on his. Padre Pio was a priest who was filled with love for people, who wanted nothing but for people to know just how much God loved them, how great his mercy was, so that they could find him and follow him forever. A famous line from Padre Pio is, pray, hope, and don't worry. And if you think about that, that's pretty amazing that a man who, for many, many years, experienced the physical pain of Christ in his body, to be able to say, pray, hope, and don't worry. That's because not only did he experience the suffering of Christ, but he experienced the love that came with that and the glory of Christ's resurrection. St. Padre Pio, pray for us. And for this week's Love Tap, this part of the podcast, when I talk about the ways that I personally found out that God loves me this week, There was one afternoon after work when I was really, really struggling. I came home and 
I have some mental health struggles and something had triggered me and I wasn't quite sure how I was going to handle the evening. And the Holy Spirit, it was totally the Holy Spirit said, get out of this apartment and go for a walk. And that's what I did. I went for a walk and it was short. It wasn't very long. It was about 20 minutes. But I saw people, I encountered people who God loved. I was able to get out, to breathe in, to see dogs running. And this week, I knew that God loved me because of that walk, that he wants to heal me, that he wants me to know just how much he loves me. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, thank you for becoming one of us to reveal the love of God. When we see an image of you, we pray that you will remind us of your love. You once walked this earth, and today you live in us. Strengthen and console us so that we will witness to the reality of your loving presence at all times, sharing your love especially with those who are hurting or overcome by darkness. We lift up this prayer to you in the same way that you came to us through your Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This was Jesus Loves You, This I Know. And if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribe, and you can listen on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. If you would like to support our mission of making God's love known, please consider helping to cover the cost of equipment, website maintenance, and that much-needed coffee. You can donate to help the mission by Venmo to at CEC underscore squared, or you can follow me, Cecilia, on Twitter and Instagram at CEC squared. You can also find that info in the show notes. All right, until next time, remember, we will be united in prayer. And remember, Jesus loves you, this I know, because, well, because of everything. Everything.